Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Morgan. Happy Thursday and happy episode 179, maybe. I don't know. They're always 179. It's 175, but you did mark your notes as 174, so I changed it for you. Thank you. Yeah. That's so kind. Are <laughs> it you confused sure the shit it's out of me. 175. But yeah, Good last week was 174. Right but um, hey guys, how are you doing? We're doing good. Good. Um, what's happened? Well, they don't know that you are unmedicated. That I'm sober. <laughs> Taylor's on a sober journey for the next 30 days. And she's honestly days. doing fantastic. I, yeah, because I was going to update you guys on my doctor's appointment. So I went to the doctor's appointment and I immediately regretted it um, <laughs> with everything inside of me. And I wish I would have never gone. I lay out all my concerns that I have and my... In your journal that you brought. Your in binder. my journal that I brought. And my question was, hi, I would like to lower my dose and change the medication and the, the diagnosis I walked out with was you're dying <laughs> no shit that's what happened but not really just in my head also in text to me I had to bring you back to reality I said did he say did that he say word you're dying you? and you're like well not in those terms but that's what you meant I said you know he, he did say not that. say that to you I'm just telling you the I'm giving you the cliff notes and versions of it you know damn well what he told yeah, you yeah he and never it was said not that he never said the c word but I was like cancer I have cancer that's what you're telling me Quit is it. that what you're telling me doctor so I went in and he first thing was like let's just take you off this freaking stimulant right now and let's do a 30-day cleanse i don't want you taking any medication you can take your cbd for your anxiety because i know you're in a fucking spiral if i don't mm -hmm. at least give you that and i'm like yeah you fucking right <laughs> you fucking right damn right because i've been struggling and spiraling i've always had some struggles with my thyroid but it's just a lot more weird now because of some other side effects that I've had that I never thought to like bring to his attention because I just thought like girly things, you know, mm -hmm. and then I bring him to his attention. And one of the things being the clip of me like nearly passing out <laughs> during yeah. the Patreon Do recording. Like yeah, he loved it. Um, But he was really concerned. He didn't find it as funny as we did. I was like... <laughs> His face probably looked like my face. He like laughed a little bit and he was like, that's funny because it's you, but it's not funny because this is concerning. So, um, yeah. So I showed him all You're that. You're like, what? It's not hot girl hot flash? Yeah. I was like, are you, are you telling me that this isn't normal? Because even Steve that commented, let me know that it's only not, it's not only girls. It's men too. It's men too. So I'm going to go get tested for celiac disease in 30 days when they do the check on my thyroid. And then, at, but guys, here's the worst part of it. I took my Adderall, the last one I had when we recorded Monday and my appointment was on Tuesday. So I was raw dogging already that appointment. So when he told me that I did a, a fucking just straight up ADHD, pure as shit, like spiral down. Yeah. Came home, did not do anything. Oh, end of the world. End of the world. I was like this is so bad i don't mind taking a break you guys know i've always talked about like even when i did take adderall from the time of being a kid i've always taken like long breaks in between at least a year in between and i haven't done that now because my dose is so much lower than it was back then number one but number two like i swear to god i need to be medicated for my ADHD more not being in school than I did being in school yeah which is crazy to think about but like half of our well I think because when you're in school especially like 
middle elementary middle high school you have guidance Mm -hmm. you have someone telling you what to do when to do it you move to the next class same thing over and And in college it was kind of the same for me because i really liked my classes in college Mm -hmm. like i had a great time i loved what i loved doing the work in college it was fun for me so that last year when i didn't have it like or my junior year i didn't have it was totally fine for me like i got it was hard to get papers done but like in my major we didn't have to write papers it was an optional it was either you could give a presentation or you could write a paper bitch i was giving a presentation every time every single time but now like little things like cleaning your house or doing your laundry or shit like that that's really hard for me to do without medicine and what's even harder for me to do without medicine is editing these fucking episodes that we've just so been (sighs) We've been so kind to you guys to make sure that they're three hours long. Yeah, they're, they're long as shit, bitch. And honestly, the longer ones are easier to edit because I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure you guys recognize it, that that 174 was edited by an unmedicated tailor because I'm sure I left. Sh- by the end of it, I was having a panic attack thinking, like, I've accidentally left stuff in. And I just gave it to God. I was like, someone will let me know. Right. If there was like something that needed to be edited out where we said edit and call an edit, but we didn't take it out. Like, so that that's been very challenging. Today was my first day like scripting without Adderall, but my three coffees a day have been helping me. So I'm basically I'm on a stimulant at all times again. Uh, but I feel a lot better. That's good. I think I think you. I think you feel a lot better too. Yeah. Like I can tell, I, th- I think you feel better. <laughs> I think you do feel better. <laughs> but I, I told her last week, I said, I think this is going to be really good for you. Yeah. And she said, I don't you agree. A fucking lunatic. <laughs> You're you crazy. I was like, no, I really do. I don't know how to explain it, but I think that you haven't been off for Adderall this long and so long Mm-mm. that I'm really excited for Taylor to be all natural. Uh, it's raw dog in her personality. I sleep great. I'll give you that. Yeah, I sleep fantastic. But it's just I've had such a set routine f- since we've done the podcast, like in this way. Mm-hmm. And so me having to like let remind myself constantly, like, hey, it's okay if you can't do that. Like, just right. try again tomorrow. Try again in an hour. Go walk around outside. Like, go distract yourself for a second, and then come back and do it again. I can. Well, keep and, going. and I'm glad that you have that though, because you were destroying yourself yeah sitting at this computer acting like you couldn't get up like i couldn't get up because that's the other thing is i would by the time my adderall would kick in i'm already in that hole of sitting at the computer and getting shit done which is very efficient for what we do but like in terms of living it's not very right safe and i also feel like it was it couldn't have came at a more perfect time than right now with our schedule because we're giving you ample right ample time to have those breaks and to still get it done over a three-day period mm-hmm. and then also notes so you have a full week you know what i mean right like there's it could if have we came, didn't if, if we did this yeah back in our old schedule you wouldn't have been able to i've watched two seasons of the gilmore girls i'm bored as fuck i'm so have you watched bored Saltburn yet not yet i watched it's killers of the flower moon last night and uh, hold on hold on I watched Killers of the Flower Moon last night and we have to make a formal apology to the Osage Nation. We said Osage and I know specifically I remember Seth reaching out and being very kind and letting us know that we pronounced it wrong but it was already past the episode and that was back when we were recording on And I'm sure I probably before. said Osage. I think we did like go through like a few different pronunciations of it sitting on there trying to, de- to mm-hmm. decide which one sounded proper because we both knew 
we both knew it was we were, Osage. And we and we knew that we were wrong the entire yeah. time. But we just still, we just, you guys, it's us. You know, it's us. But we don't mean any offense by it. Right. But the other thing that we, I need to make a formal apology about is that we were talking about how in one of the cases, the um, state of Oklahoma awarded money to the Osage Nation after what ha- what they did, which was literally go in because Osage Nation, long story short, okay, is um they they found oil on their land and they began like becoming very very wealthy off of the original off of the, their land and mm-hmm. they were working with the government and they were working with other business white businessmen and other white settlers that were coming in and they were trusting of a few and those few people literally murdered all of them after marrying into their family so they would take all of their land and Oklahoma let it happen despite the fact that many and many and there's so much more obviously this is just like killers of the flower moon but like the truth of what happened like that's why they were awarded so what, much money what was this case from the guy in the museum uh the fun house yes yes was it that but I did I did something in the same area like a week before you and then you covered this one in that area. It, we were, these were old cases that we were both doing, like old outlaw. It was like the bandit. Yeah, like all those things. So we we had been we had been in that area for like a month, and we had been saying Osage instead of I mean Osage instead of Osage, and then so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Why is that not taught in history classes? It's right. literally insane that that that's this is true. This happened, and like what's it called again? Killers of the Flower Moon. It's on um, Apple TV. And you guys have a, a free membership for like a month, three months, just if you own an Apple product. But then also if you bought a, or redid like a membership at Verizon or AT&T, you also get one in there. So we've done two separate. OK, mm-hmm. I need to make one with Aaron's email then. Yeah, I used my trial before. Yeah. So I would go I would go watch it. It was so it was so, so eye opening and good. Good deal. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, and well, Saul tragic. Is fucking crazy. I haven't watched it, but I time. also watched Follow the House of Usher. Oh yeah, great. Fucked, but great. Fucked, but yeah, that was pretty good. I always forget this director's name. He did Haunting of Hill House. Haunting I can never remember Manor. his name either. He's fantastic. And then so I'm right now. I'm watching Midnight Club, which is also by him because he yeah. did uh, Midnight Sun, Midnight or Mass, Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. and then not Midnight Club. This one's okay. I haven't watched it yet. You told yeah. me to watch it. Yeah. I'm still, I'm not finished because I'm playing too much Animal Crossing. Yeah. Just, you know, and I'm being on Twitch. And <laughs> Treasure Island. <laughs> Anyone plays, let me know. Um, Hey, guess, uh, guess who I saw this morning? Who? Outside my window. Who or what? Who? But you can't tell anyone. It's a secret. They just pay me a quick little visit. You're going to scream. It was the sunshine. Did you see her this morning? The sunshine? The sunshine. She came peeking through my window this morning. I was shocked, bitch. I was shocked I to the core. I work in jail. It was at 7 o'clock. Windows. So I was, at, I was hoping that you were going to be out driving at this point to the no, nursing home. But it was so nice. And it was for five seconds. Like, it was so gorgeous. She just immediately ran away. And I was like, oh, my God, bitch. I haven't seen you in so fucking long. Where you been? Dude, it's just been shit. Gloomy Gloomy. Ass. It's snowing Horrible. up in Gatlinburg right now. 
For what? <laughs> you did the fuck out of here. Don't come Someone back. Someone told me that on February 10th, there's going to be a big snowstorm here again. Same thing, going to bring down 10 inches. I'm like, oh, February 10th, exactly? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? That's the exact date? Yeah, yeah. That's what they told me. So you heard it here first. Well, let me tell you something. If he's a farmer, he knows. So <laughs> a woman. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust her. Even better. I yeah, believe her. She's scaring the almanac around for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know what? February 9th, 10th. Yeah. Real quick, let me tell you about this dream I had last night that resulted in me contacting my wedding photographer today. What? I had this nightmare. Nightmare. That it was the week before my wedding. And I hadn't, like, talked to my... I haven't talked to my photographer since I booked her. I didn't talk to anyone after I booked them. They just showed up. (laughs) I contacted... Or I got a DM on Instagram from her. And it was like, hey, I know we haven't chatted much. And I'm really sorry to do this to you. But because she's an elopement photographer now. But mm-hmm. when I booked her, she she was doing elopements, but not as much. But now right. she's like strictly like, not strictly, but like she's doing a lot more travel. The DM said, I got this wedding. Op- I had this opportunity to go to Argentina to photograph this really like infamous wedding. Yeah. And they're this really famous couple and I'm going to take it and I'm not going to be coming to your wedding. Hmm. And hmm. I was like, what, what What do you mean? What are we going to do? What do I do? And she was like, and also like I spent the money so I can't pay you back. OK, well, bitch, you're going to have to <laughs> get me money back. And I'm, I'm mad in dream world. I was so distraught. And I, what's so crazy is that I remember leaning over in bed and saying, Aaron, we just lost our photographer. No, he didn't. Yes, do that. I did. In the middle of the night. And no, I th- I think of my dream. Oh, like okay. it was so real. I was laying in bed on my phone. I thought you said that to him in the middle of the night. I was like, no, not so, yet. So <laughs> anyway, I get up this morning and something else tragic happened. I forget what happened, but it was just like a, a wedding nightmare. And I wake up this morning and I go on about my day. And then halfway through the day, I like, came it. to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, did did she actually DM me last? Like, I don't remember. Like, it was so real, but also, like, what it was. Okay, I need you to get... Is she coming? She's coming. Okay. So, I DM'd her today. I said, hey. I said, I had a dream last night <laughs> that, that you were not coming because you're going you to Argentina. a wedding in Argentina, and I need confirmation that you will be at my wedding, oh, photographing my wedding. She sends... Ha <laughs> LMAO and sends me a screenshot of her schedule and it says Morgan Mounts April. Da, da, da. Thank God. Thank God. And I'm like, bitch, I was really bitter bad. My heart went bitter batter. Dude, do you remember like the week before my wedding? My, Were you having nightmares? No, my makeup girl backed out on me. Oh, yeah. She said, I didn't realize it was on the 4th of July. I said, well, the date is 7 4. So that is the 4th of July. Yep. And uh, luckily, I had already booked me someone, and that was different. That was just the bridesmaids, and that's why, mm-hmm. thank God, we had Evie and Bailey. Thank God. Thank God. Like, what if we didn't have friends that were good at makeup? Every man for themselves. Oh, my God. Makeup looked fantastic at your wedding. Oh, my God. Evie? 10 out of 10, yeah. bitch. So good. And I think Marissa did, too. So we had Marissa, Skyla, and Evie, and, well, Bailey was more assist, but... Yeah. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey was just being Bailey, but Evie and... A ba- basically four different people rolling makeup out and hair. It was crazy. We got done and we looked good. We looked great. So that happened. But damn. damn. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a terrible nightmare. <sighs> I feel like there's a million other things I want to talk about that I've been thinking about. Oh, today Morgan and I are doing a joint case, obviously. Yeah, which means you go first. Which means I go first today. And 
We don't um, love it. Yeah, we're not really excited about it, but we'll get into that. So go ahead and hit them with it. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, before we get in, we have two things to say. Number one. Number one, and first and foremost, this is my first case without Adderall. So please, Raw dog it. please fucking be kind to me. And then number two, me and Morgan really don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, we're a little um, iffy and I don't like it. No, it just like, I'm I'm at like, we're, and we actually, we didn't talk about it until right before we recorded or we hit record and came in here and because we were just kind of like, I said to her, I don't feel like this is the big case that everybody wants it to be. Like, are we missing something? Right. Did I, you know, lose something? Because all I feel is just like guilt. Like, I don't and, feel. And I came back and I said, yeah, no, it's it feels really fucked up to be covering a haunting in a place that monetizes off something that is atrocious. It's so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like with the case, it's there's not you know like a lot to it really Mm -hmm. like I'm sure if I went down every speculatory rabbit hole that there is in this entire earth and yeah I probably could have conjured something that's a little bit more interesting but Mm -hmm. like ethically that's I don't want to I'm not doing this to dramatize it and make it like entertaining by any means and I don't ever want to do that Mm -hmm. so yeah really sad yeah we're we'll talk more about it at the end I'm sure and throughout because it's us but yeah I'll hop right into it. So we're covering the Velisca Axe murders of 1912. We're going to start by talking about the house itself. It was one of the town's larger and, quote, better appointed properties, according to Smithsonian Magazine. And the design is a very classic folk Victorian farmhouse that sits on what is today East 2nd Street. And when I say farmhouse, I need you to envision more of like a full-size dollhouse because it's that fucking stunning and cute. But I'm super biased because it literally is my house. It's a replica. It looks just, it's scary. I texted Morgan this morning when I was finally like going through all the pictures of it and like trying to get the layout right. And I was like, well, throw up. (laughs) This is my fucking house. So this is bad. Like, this is really bad. And guys, um, so then I, of course, had to do some digging of my own. And I found that the architecture design between my house and this house was actually by the same guy. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. He came to Knoxville. He was from New York. And I can't think of his name right now. I want to say his last name's his name's George Barber. Or maybe that's his son. He's got like two sons that took over the business for him. But uh, he had to come down to Appalachia because he had tuberculosis. And so they wanted him at a higher altitude. Ended up here in Knoxville, which we're in a valley. So I don't don't know really what he was doing. What altitude he was getting. Yeah, but he was here and he uh, designed all of this area of town. Oh, wow. And he would go to like Kansas, Iowa, Illinois on the railroad to go and design houses and give his designs to those people wow so that's weird creepy yeah it's creepy that's very creepy i don't like that but the house is so stunning and darling and i'm biased but it's darling it's just darling that's truly what it is like it's just like a little fucking dollhouse it's in the little scalloping on the Hmm, i love Mm. it looks Um, so familiar it sold me so (laughs) not once but twice but either way it was a three bed one bath house 19 uh no not 19 913 square foot 
Okay. From what I can tell in my research, it was built in 1900, but all of the houses on the same streets, which at that point in time, like they were bought by blocks and then developers would put houses on it. The house across the street was built in 1895, and that's literally all these houses again. Same thing, probably same thing, like all went up within like a 10-year period of Mm -hmm. each other. And... I'm going to place diagrams on our Instagram for you guys to understand the layout of the home because it's very important for the murder aspect of the case and I'm sure probably with yours but I'll post a picture of the house I'll if post we're a allowed. picture of the inside if yeah <laughs> if we're allowed I told her I broke it to our patrons but we forgot to break them to these people guys we're blocked we are so fucked on Instagram like we, we're on a thin line of losing the entire account yeah we can't go live we can't make money <laughs> not that we were but whatever listener just I don't remember the name off the top of my head I if do. you're out there and you I didn't even tell her it was her a picture that got, of, would get us in trouble of e-d-g-e-i-n yep you got us in trouble and I don't understand because we just shared the story and it wasn't like mean or anything no I know it was, it was just like they said that we were praising a that criminal it said no quote a dangerous person a terrorist and or dangerous person yeah but the terrorist part got me what no we fucking did not yeah and first off we for sure we're not praising him we can't go live for like 30 days no now it's extended to april 22nd even though they haven't even uh, checked our appeal yet i've checked it every fucking day we can't monetize until april 22nd we can't Um, our stuff can't be sent to other people or like oh yeah like our our reels will only hit our followers no one else it won't go on like a a for you page let me just kind of brag here for a second because that is immediately something that taylor would text me and be like dude we're fucked on instagram i found it guys morgan found it I did. And I sent her and you thought it was a joke at first. You're like, wait, what? LOL. No, I said, shut the fuck up. LOL. And then I sent you what it entailed. And you're like, what the fuck? It was Tuesday night. It was the day my what my a diamond fell out of my engagement band. I can't wear it. I was so bad. And then she said, I literally had to say to Morgan, I can't hear about this anymore. She's like, I will. She kept sending me stuff. I just turned on my phone. I had to get it off (laughs) my my phone into your mind because I'll never think about it. My again. mind couldn't handle it. <laughs> well, I know you'll think about it the next day. I've been thinking about it every single day when I wake up. It's the first thing I do. Like, uh, see, I haven't checked in a week. Oh my god, first thing since I since that morning. one day where you texted me, you said it's not clicking. I checked then, but I haven't checked. Yeah, that that was weird, and it still won't let me go to it from that way, even now. Oh, that's weird. I have to go this. I think it's maybe because your phone reported it. Yeah, probably. So, it, I mean, like, appealed it. So maybe it's just blocking me from seeing Let's it. Check it right now. I don't know. I checked it, like, right before we started recording. Oh, still in review? Go ahead and check again, yeah. All okay. right, keep going. Sorry, sorry, guys. Okay, let's go back to where we were. Go to our Instagram. I'm gonna have the layout on there. Maybe. We can't <laughs> We can't do anything else more than no that. No pictures of faces. Just fucking Not right the now. house. We're gonna act like we're a real estate uh, firm. I'm gonna change it from podcast to real estate firm. Yeah. Just to get this out there because I'm really scared to death. Like, I really am. Uh, Anyways, I'm going to put that on there, but I have hand-drawn mats for me and Morgan. Perfect. So basically what how it works in this house is you come up to the front porch and on the front porch, there's a side door and then there's a main front door. If you were to walk to the left into the side door, you'd go directly into the living room or the parlor. But for just now, we're going to walk in through the main front door. And when you open that main front door, you come out into the kitchen. And guys, these doors are literally cornered. Now, directly across the room from you is like a little utility closet. And then to the right of that is another door 
that takes you to the back porch. On the far right, like if you walk in the front door and you look to your right, there's going to be a stove and then like the family table and then an ice box and then like a plates cabinet. Think of one back in 1912. It's all still in the house today. So if you, I'll link you guys a 360, I think it's called like 360 city tour, but they go into historic homes and they do, they put like a, one of those things inside Mm -hmm. of it and it shows the whole room like from Zillow. So you can do that and that's what I did to get this layout. Okay. So kitchen to your right is where like the big stove is. And then directly to your left when you walk in, there's a little bit of a a wall. And that's where the ice box sat or like what refrigerators were before refrigerators. And then we're going back. You're standing directly in the front door. If you immediately turn to your left, you're going to hit the ice box. And then there's going to be a giant walkway. And you walk through that walkway and you're at the living room. So it's just like if you came in through that side door. So now we're in the living room. In the living room, there is only one interior door and that takes you to a guest bedroom that was also used as like a sewing room. And then in there, there is one little closet. Now come back out of there and we're gonna go back to the kitchen. We're standing at the front door in the kitchen. Directly in front of you is that utility closet that I told you about. Well, to the left of that, on the side wall, there is a doorway. And this will take you upstairs. You come out the stairs and a second, which doesn't this make so much sense about the layout of this home? You yeah. come up the stairs and it's you're immediately in the master bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then from there to your left, there's like this little tiny hall. And in this hall, there are three doors. One directly on your left, the one behind you, and the one in front of you. If you walk straight you would run into the kids bedroom which is fucking this room right yeah so then you'd walk in i'm sorry i lied to you that room it's logan's room and it looks the exact same have you seen the 360 Mm -mm. thing i gotta show it to you because you're gonna scream at the top of your lungs i literally so you had in order to get to the kids bedroom you had to go through you had to go through the master bedroom in that little hall okay so you went straight in there and there's the kids bedroom and inside the kids bedroom there was a closet okay now we're gonna go back to that little mini hall again you just walked out of the master bedroom into that little tiny hall to your left there's that little door well there's a little closet from that closet there's not a door but it's a doorway is the attic and the attic is fucking huge they Mm should have used it as a bedroom yeah this attic is the biggest room in the whole fucking house yeah so it's huge i have seen that it's ginormous i was shocked looking it's bigger where do the stairs cut is it like it so the stairs come up when you come up here so i'm showing this to morgan but like if you came up from the kitchen you walk into them and you go like you turn to your right and then at the top you turn left there's like a little mini landing just like mine you turn left and then you come up where my landing is now that was the master bedroom and then but how did the stairs take you to the attic you didn't go into the attic from the stairs the attic was um attached to the second level even it wasn't up another level okay yeah so I think that's probably what they did up here. They just put it up in that. That's why it's so tiny and dumb. That's why the ceilings are so big. Yeah, exactly. So that's what that looked. That's the whole layout of the home. And I'll I'll show you the 360 um, next time we have to stop just so you can see it and visualize it with me. But um, I don't know if y'all know this going back to the script, but ain't shit in this town. Not a fucking thing. Look at it on a map. It's the tiniest little town in the freaking world. The city has a total area of 1.90 square miles. So. One mile. 1.9 miles. That's small as fuck. Small as fuck. It's tiny. The population in 2020, according to U.S. Census records, was 1,132. Wow. 
but during, it's actually a lot of people for the mileage right but during its first like recording of the u.s census in 1870 there were only 457 people living there at that time but then there was this massive boom from 1880 to 900 where they had an increase in population or 900 1900 where they had an increase in population of 184.2 percent leaving the population at 2211 wow. and then it only decreased in population by 7.8 percent by 1910 with a population of 2,039 uh, people. So everyone knew everyone. So more than what is today people lived there. Yeah. Yeah. So Velisca was always considered like a very small, safe, everyone knows everyone type of town. And this prized property that has gone down in history was built by the Moore family. Though it's often referred to even on the sign out front fucking nasty of them to be honest no i agree as the axe murder house fucked literally on a sign that they designed and put out front but, and i don't know if it's the same one now but it originally had blood dripping so. yeah i saw that one too um it the house is actually referred to and has been since it was built as the moore house mm -hmm. so i would like to make a petition to change it to the moore house i agree because that's fucked. And it's after the family. So it, if we're going to speak about the family and make money off the family and after what the fuck happened. Let's call it the Moore House. The Moore House is the name of it. I agree. I'm with you. In 1912, the Moore family consisted of 43-year-old Josiah or Joe, his wife, 39-year-old Sarah, and then their four children together, 11 or 12, depending on the um, reporting, year-old Herman, 10-year-old Mary, 7-year-old Arthur, and 5-year-old Paul. They were considered to be a very affluent, well-known, and well-loved family in the area. The family was incredibly involved within their community and friendly, always chatting it up with friends, neighbors and other community members they were business owners but other than that unfortunately there really isn't much about their lives out there and like who they were as people because of how horrific this crime was and the way that people have handled it over the years on sunday june 9th 1912 the moore family was going about their regular routine breakfast church lunch play outside prepare for the evening service at church go back to church come home go to bed but this night was a little different because the evening service was dedicated to the church's children Children, which Sarah actually organized herself. It was called the Children's Day Program at their Presbyterian Church. Before heading back to attend this event, though, the kids had been playing outside with all their neighbors as they typically would, but specifically their best friends and down-the-street neighbors, sisters, 8-year-old Ina May and 12-year-old Lena Gertrude Stillinger. And by the kids' best friends, I actually mean that it was 10-year-old's Mary's best friends, but all the other kids wanted to play with Mary's best friends. So that, that's what happened. That tracks. That yeah. tracks. Yeah, I did that to my siblings too. Yeah, so of course, Mary. And they never let me play. They were in the big <laughs> girls club and I wasn't allowed because I was too young. That's childhood trauma. Ch that is childhood trauma. Um, So of course, Mary asked her parents like, uh, is it okay if the Stillinger sisters spend the night because we were all going children's day together and we'll, we'll do all be dance home for late. You. We'll do this dance for <laughs> you. We're going to have a routine. We choreographed the whole thing. So do you care if they spend the night? Like I said, this family was like so fun and well loved and well liked they were like uh hell yeah it's a summer of course you can do whatever you want so they called over to their parents and the parents were like uh hell yeah that's great sounds so, good sounds great and guys you know how fun that was even though it was like you're out of school but like being told that you could have a sleepover on mm -hmm. what's typically a school night you do they not you kidding me mommy? Are you, you gotta go to work tomorrow that is so freaking fun so 
they said, of course, and everyone agreed, coordinating together. Now, all together, Joe, Sarah, Herman, Mary, Arthur, Paul, Ina, and Lena all walked to the church. And this is what the family typically did. They would always walk. It was like 45 minutes, I think. Not even that, actually. Like 15-minute walk. 30 at most. They all walked together to the church. They attend their fun program. The girls all, like, performed something for the church. So they really did choreograph something and have it prepared. In the they were practicing. They had been practicing. Yep. They had for sure been practicing. And then they needed to recoup in. Prepare for the next about, Children's Day service. Talk about how it went. How, yeah, how can we redo this? Someone go get the Chick Fil A sauces. Mm-hmm. We need to get the formations proper. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. So um, the church service ended at 9:30 p.m. and they all walked back home, getting there sometime between 9:45 p.m. and 10 p.m. Where after a bit of winding down, Joe and Sarah put all the kids to bed for this super fun sleepover night. The more children all slept upstairs in their bedroom, which is the kids' bedroom attached to the master, and Joe and Sarah slept in their master bedroom, with the sisters going to sleep downstairs in the guest bedroom. So all of the moors were upstairs while the guests were downstairs. What's the total family count right now? Four kids, two friends, two parents. Okay. So eight total. The next morning, Monday, June 10th, 1912, the Moore's neighbor, direct next door neighbor, Mary Peckham, Peckham, was outside at 7 a.m. And she had been up since like six, five or six, like putting up laundry and all that shit because people didn't sleep back then, clearly. Mm -hmm. And she's up and she's working out in the yard and she realizes like, hmm, why aren't the Moore kids out letting their horses out, letting their chickens out, doing their morning chores? And she's looking all around. And this is kind of like the way that I think this happened is that she had some like pipe and hot goss. Because like why else would she be like looking so hard waiting for them to come outside? Because when my neighbors used to do that, it'd be like, oh my God, thank God you came outside already. I had to tell you this. Right. Yeah, she's waiting. Yeah, she's just waiting for the kids to come out so she can run over and talk to Sarah. what my neighbor, your old neighbor does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just waits and waits, and then he runs over and gives me origami. Exactly. The like second you, you walk out, you got to. I've been waiting to talk to you. Look I, at this little tiny bird. I've been me. waiting to hear that front door slam. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of how this happened because Mary's sitting over there and she's waiting, she's watching, and they're not coming out. And it's seven o'clock, and she's like, This isn't right. The kids should be outside doing their chores. It was so out of character, in fact, that she immediately, by seven, like, I guess it was like, If they're not out by seven, I'm going over there. Seven o'clock comes, she goes over and she knocks on the door no one answers so she like tries to open the door herself to let herself in but it was locked and this was so this was the most concerning part to her that this door was locked that's crazy to me because if I were to go to your house right now and the door was unlocked I'd be like oh my god Mm -hmm. oh my god but if you went to my house when I was a kid and the door was locked that would be something's wrong like this isn't right they're out of town exactly that's what you think like why would their door be locked she's so concerned about this because she's like it's typically unlocked even when they're sleeping but even more so than that she tries to like look through the windows and she can't see anything it looks like there's curtains that have been drawn or at least something was covering the view inside of the house every window every door but thinking maybe she had just got something wrong like maybe they had told her that she was out of town and she forgot about it she just walked over to their chicken coop and she let all the chickens out and she fed them and then she walked because that's what she would typically do if the kids or if the family was out of town so then she's like all right let me go back and let me call and see if they're out of town 
So she goes inside and she picks up the phone and she calls Joe's brother, Ross Moore. And Ross was like, no, they should be there. Hold on one second, though. Let me call Joe's hardware store, which is what he owned, and see if he's there. Well, he calls and an employee answers. And this employee was a longtime friend of the family. His name was Ed Selly. Ed was like, no, Joe's not here, but he's supposed to be here. And Ed and Ross were like, Bucket, something's wrong. They jumped in the car and they met each other at the Moore house where they met Mary in the yard. And after knocking on all of the doors, shouting and to, to, for the family to come out, going and checking the barn, Ross is like, fuck it. I have a copy of the house key. I'm going to let myself in. And he entered through the living room side door at approximately 8 a.m. Meanwhile, Mary waited in the backyard while Ed in the backyard went to the horse stable to check on the horses to see if they had been fed or if some Something had happened back there, like someone got injured or something, but he didn't see anyone. Me, okay, so going back to Ross. So his brother's in there now. Yeah, his brother just walked in the house, Ross. Immediately, since he walked in that side door, which do you want to see just so you can look? Um, immediately when he walked into that side door in the living room, he could see that there was a struggle in the guest bedroom where the sailing or sisters were sleeping. And he walks over there, the room is covered in blood. The girls are covered up by bedsheets and clothes lying on the bed dead and Lena was laying over top of her little sister Ina oh my god both were like I said were covered by the bedding but very clearly dead and it was brutal and gruesome and awful it was an awful scene luckily understanding what little knowledge that there was out there about forensics and forensic evidence at this point in time because Ross was a pharmacist he stopped himself from doing what his natural reaction was which was I need to go find my family and instead he forced himself to walk out of the house off the back porch out the back door he runs out there screaming for Ed and Mary saying something terrible has happened we need to call the town marshal so he told Mary to go inside of her house and call the town marshal who was named Henry but he went by Hank Horton and they wanted him to come out there immediately and get a look at the scene. And then he wanted Ed to get a hold of his and Joe's other brother, Harry. Now, Harry and Marshall Horton arrived at the home at approximately 8.30 a.m. and went through the entire home one room at a time with both Ed and Ross with them. Some reports say that Mary walked through with them. I don't know that that's true because of some accounts that I read from like interviews and statements that were taken. But um, nonetheless, for sure, all the men went in and um, they went upstairs and they found the Moore family, all of them dead, just like the Stallioner sisters, all in their beds, bludgeoned to death. I just want to give you guys a trigger warning because we're about to walk into the details of the crime and the autopsy findings for parents and children. So it's going to be a bit disturbing, but I'm not going to go into great, great detail um, out of respect for the family. All eight people were killed with an axe that belonged to Joe Moore. This axe, there are two different, okay. There are two different reports on where this axe came from on the property or in the house. One says from that utility room that was in the kitchen. The other says a coal shed that was out back beside the barn. The reports differ on that, but either way, it was from the home, like from the, it belonged to the family and the killer did leave it sitting in the kitchen before they left. All except for Sarah had been bludgeoned using, and I'm going to go ahead and just get this out of the way, but they were all um, bludgeoned. 20 to 30 times each oh my god yeah um 
all except for Sarah have been bludgeoned using the dull side of the axe. However, it is clear that Joe received the harshest attack out of everyone. He was the first of all the eight victims and he had been bludgeoned more than 30 times, a lot more violently. And it was so bad that his face and his eyes were gone. Oh my God. Yeah. That is horrible. The only other thing that was different from everyone else other than Sarah and Joe were the sisters downstairs, specifically Lena. She was likely the last one to be murdered and she had clear signs of defensive wounds unlike everyone else. So she had been woken up by her sister's attack oh, um, and tried to fight off, which is why she was laying over her sister's body. It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Um, but she was also the only one whose clothing had been altered. Um, her nightgown was lifted up above, like at her chest and her underwear was taken off. Trigger warning for SA, but they did believe that she had been assaulted during the attack, but they could not prove this because at the time the technology wasn't available to prove this and neither was the education and honestly the care, I think. Mm-hmm. But to today they say that that's that she likely was not so i don't know yeah you know but i don't want to take that away from her and the justice that she deserves by not letting you guys know investigators began processing the home which became more and more challenging as word spread like wildfire around this small town about the attacks and by 9 30 a.m over 300 townspeople were at the home inside the home contaminating the scene taking pieces of the family members skulls yeah i actually heard about that so fucked luckily though That's so fucked up marshall horton harry and ross moore and ed Sally had gotten a really good look around the house prior to all of these people going in and i say luckily loosely because of how just fucking disturbing all pieces of this are but essentially they believed that the killer or killers had snuck in through the family's unlocked back door after like hiding out on the property in a shed and then snuck into the family's house after either after they fell asleep at approximately 10 30 p.m or when they were at church if he would have snuck in while the killer or while the family was at church he collected their axe from the utility room or from outside shed and then hid themselves in the family's attic some reports say that this was determined by the original investigators based off one singular fact, which was that there were two cigarette butts that were found in the attic that were fresh. But this is often disputed even by like the tour these mm-hmm. days. Um, investigators believe based off of the autopsy findings, though, that the killer sh- then struck the family at some point between midnight and 5 a.m. in the early morning hours of Monday, June 10th, 1912. And as I said before, he started with Joe, then Sarah Moore, swinging so violently and with so much force that the axe actually got stuck at the top of the wall behind him. Oh my God. And the mark is still there today. And I actually screenshotted a picture of it to show you. So like this is from the dresser. The bed would be directly in front of the dresser. Oh my God. Yeah. No one wanted to patch that up, paint over it. Nope, they wanted it to be a part on the tour. <sighs> um, And I'm going to put... I'm going to try to put that on Instagram for you guys. If not, it's in that 360 tour. It's in that 360 tour. So then the killer, after finishing murdering Joe and Sarah, went over to the Moore's children room just across that hallway directly beside theirs. 
killing all four of the more children in the same manner, repeated blows to the face and head with the dull side of the axe. Lastly, the killer went downstairs and murdered Ina and then Lena. Before leaving, it seems that this killer or killers perform somewhat of a ritual. What? And when I say that, they performed it alongside in what, from what it's meant to me and from how I interpret it, a message was left by the killer. And we'll get to that. But I want to explain to you guys this ritual. So once all of the victims were dead, the killer went around covering each of the victims using sheets, bedding, and or clothing that was found from inside the home, ransacking all the family's drawers and closets in the process. Then once all the family members were covered, he went over to the windows and doors with these same items that he had collected, covering all windows, doors, mirrors, and any reflective like glass surfaces that there were in the house. A shoe that was filled with blood from one of the bedrooms was then knocked over and poured out in the family's bedroom. And then a bloody bowl of water. And the way that they describe it is that it the water and the obviously the water and the blood was separated, but the blood was like swirled in it. There, that was found in the kitchen and I want to say it was like pushed underneath a table or sitting on top of a table but nearby it was a plate of prepared but uneaten food and then lastly what I take as like a message is that the murder weapon the axe was found some reports say covered in blood and hair some reports say completely cleaned but there was like the cleaning supplies used nearby with the blood and the hair but it was sitting directly beside a four-pound slab of bacon that had been taken out of the family's icebox. And then together, these two things were propped up on the kitchen's interior back south wall, which I take as like where the utility room was and the back door. Mm -hmm. But what the hell does that mean? And the only message that I can take from a thing of pork sitting beside a murder weapon presented that way is, and actually it was our letter that said it to me he first was a cop. no like you're a pig like you're scum like it's personal it's about joe like business or yeah something like that and actually like i was ex talking this through with our letter on the phone and she said at first she's like he's she, they're calling them a, a pig they're calling someone a pig I, yeah yeah so and he what he was he owned a um store he wasn't a cop or anything. yeah he owned a store and we'll get back into that a little bit but these like ritualistic practices of covering up all the mirrors the glass the windows the doors all those things and the home is thought to be a undoing which make would make sense for the spiritual movements at the time that were going on in 1912 and what the undoing is is like a symbolic reversal of time aka a sign of remorse alongside the covering of the faces and that is why today the Moore house all of the windows I mean I'm sorry all of the uh windows are too doors and windows but the mirrors are always covered really trying to capture the time there right and there have been several suspects over the years but I want to focus on just like the main people that have been looked at and the main suspect for the murders the one that was actually the only one that was ever actually ch charged and taken to trial not once but twice was Reverend George Kelly. And the first trial ended in a hung jury. The second was acquittal. But Kelly gave a confession that he later recanted in the second trial or in the first trial, in which he alleged that the voice of God told him to, quote, slay utterly the children, end quote. And he was referencing Ezekiel 9 6. 
Kelly was an English-born traveling minister in town only for the night of the murders. Oh, my God. He was described by everyone in the town as peculiar and reportedly known to have, like, mental illness that was caused by a really bad, quote, mental breakdown as a teen. And as an adult, he was accused several times and charged of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. And on June 8th, 1912, he came to the city, to the town, to teach at the Children's Day service that Sarah organized. So she was in contact with him. Well, whether he's guilty or not of the murders, man needs... He was guilty of something. Guilty of something, for sure. be behind bars and not with children. And so he was with the families on the day of the 9th. And then he left town on the morning of June 10th, Monday, June 10th, 1912, between... 5 a.m. and 5.50 a.m. on a train. The morning after the murders. Mm -hmm. Hmm. He, uh, so just hours before the bodies were discovered, he left. Uh, He returned two weeks later. Posing as a detective, he joined the tour of the murder house with a group of investigators. Did he? And authorities became really interested in him, but not because he came and posed as a private investigator, but because he was sending massive rambling letters about the murders And people were alerting the police, being like, this crazy dude is writing these in. He displayed this fascination with the case. He wrote many letters to police, investigators, and family members of the family. What the fuck? A private investigator then wrote back to Reverend Kelly and were like, okay, let's get some details then if you know some stuff and you've been doing research, like, tell me what you know. Of course, Kelly replied in great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly even firsthand witnessed the murders. And the details he were give- was giving, they were... Yeah, but we had a hung jury. Yeah. Um, in 1914, two years after the murders, he was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. He was, uh, what he was doing, just so we're all clear, was sexually harassing a woman who applied to be his assistant. Nice. Yeah. Piece of shit. He was then sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, which is a national mental hospital in Washington, D.C., and investigators speculated after these two instances that he really might have murdered the family or he was suffering from a mental illness that made him think that Some he did sort it. Of like psychotic break. Oh, um, oh, like he's convinced that he did it even though he didn't. Even though he didn't. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. he kind of took it on thinking that he's guilty and is trying to, and he's not guilty. So they tried to handle it really well. But after more ev- evidence was collected in 1917, he was officially arrested for the murders. Police obtained a confession from him However, which was when I told you about from Ezekiel. Um, however, it was only he only gave this confession after hours and hours and hours of horrific interrogation. And he later recanted it after two separate trials. He's a, he was acquitted because basically his defense attorney was like it was after 14 hours of interrogation. And I'm sure they were already like working the insanity side of it. So if he did do it, it didn't come of anything. But the second most well-known suspect in this case is Frank F. Jones, or Frank Fernando Jones, who was a Villisca resident and the Iowa State Senator. Oh, wow. He and Josiah Moore had worked together, and actually Josiah Joe Moore had worked for Frank at his, like, hardware store, essentially, or, like, you know, just, like, a convenience store, I guess, for many years before Joe left to open up his 
own store. And according to Frank, all of his business left with Joe. And so Joe took all of his business and he also took over a quote, very successful John Deere dealership, which I don't, I don't know how would he, he steal that out from under you, but right. So I couldn't really find much detail on that, but nonetheless, but even more so than all of that, the only other motive that Frank would have was that it was rumored Joe was having an affair with Frank's son's wife. Oh, well, what about Frank Jr.? Not a suspect. Not a suspect, I guess. I just feel like, I mean, yeah, you probably hold a grudge over him opening up his own shop, mm-hmm. but you're a senator. Right. Do you really care about your little convenience but store? But that, that message of pig or like you know that makes a little more sense that, here i can resonate that with mm-hmm. it the reverend not so much i can a little because he said slain or like as in like yeah. a slaughter like yeah sorry that was more like a but, pig like a, yeah. like a slaughterhouse yeah. yeah but frank had a solid alibi but if he didn't do it who could have done it and guess who didn't have an alibi the person that everyone thinks frank hired to do this the hitman named william mansfield but they all called him blackie i don't know how i feel about that but we're gonna call him mansfield okay nine months before the murders in Villisca, a similar case of an axe murder occurred in colorado springs colorado two axe murders then followed the colorado springs one in ellsworth kansas and the other one in Paula, Kansas. And all three of these plus Villisca seem like they were committed by the same person. When was Lizzie Borden? Ooh, I'll look it up. I don't know. But I do know the Clutter family mass murder was 1957. And then the Hinterkaifeck was... 1922 1892 is 1892 so well that one go in the string but we'll we'll go from there so all of these cases were so similar that they looked like they could be committed by the same person which sounds crazy but other murders reported as possibly being linked to this crime include numerous other unsolved axe murders along the southern pacific railway a serial killer and it spans from 1910 to 1912 the murders in colorado springs were closely related to the execution to those in the Moore house. The bed sheets were used to cover up windows to prevent passerbys from looking in, covering the heads of all the victims with bedclothes along with the mirrors. And this sounds too crazy to be true, but Mansfield was a prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency out of Kansas City and Detective James Newton Wilkerson, who was working these cases. And together, they suggested that he was a cocaine-addicted serial killer who hopped trains. According to Wilkerson's investigations, all of the murders were committed in precisely the exact same manner, indicating that the same man could have committed all of them. In each of the cases, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by only wearing gloves, which Wilkerson believes was strong enough evidence that the ma- that the man was Mansfield, who knew his fingerprints were actually on file at the Federal Military Prison of Leavenworth. Whoa! Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open up an investigation in 1916 into Mansfield, and he was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. But once he got there, he had an alibi. His payroll records proved that he was in Illinois at the time of the Moore family murders, and he was released due to lack of evidence. And he later won a lawsuit where he sued Wilkerson for basically defamation for $2,225, which he won. Uh, But lastly, and the reason that we even decided to do this today is the suspect that connects the Velisca murders 
to the Hinterkaifeck murders in Germany. And that is Pat Mueller. Author Bill James and his daughter, Rachel Rachel McCarthy James, wrote and released a book in 2017 titled The Man from the Train. In this book, they discuss the Velisca murders as a part of a much larger series of murders that they believe were all committed by a single serial killer. They conclude that the murderer was Paul Mueller or Miller, depending on the census records. Paul was an immigrant, which most sources say that he was from Germany, who was the subject of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole suspect in the 1987 murder of a family in West Brookfield, Massachusetts, who employed him as their farmhand. The Jameses believe that Mueller was guilty of the Velisca murders as a part of a killing spree that lasted over a decade, killing 59 people in 14 separate incidences, including the Colorado Springs, and Paola crimes. Across all of these crimes, there are common features that are identical to the Velisca scene that identify him as the murderer. The killer selected families who lived near railroad tracks, which is why the killer was suspected to have been a traveler, would seemingly strike the family in an ambush-style attack at around midnight, but only when the victims were sleeping, would only use the blunt side of the axe rather than the blade side in order to bludgeon the victims' only heads and faces, and use an axe that the family had in their home and left it in plain sight after the murders. He would then cover all of the victims with blankets to prevent blood spatter, cover the windows from inside the house, lock all of the doors, and then leave, which is the exact same in this situation. And in Mueller's suspected crimes, there was often, but not always, some sort of a sexual motive directed towards a prepubescent or pubescent young girl, which Lena would qualify for that in this case. Professor and crime writer Harold Schechter agrees with James's opinion and says that this has got to be the most probable solution for not only the Velisca but the Colorado Springs, Paola, and Hinterkaifeck because he went back to Germany after this and was living there in 1922. Wow. And was from that area. And the whole attic thing. The whole attic thing. Exactly. I don't know anything about the Colorado Springs case. But. Me either. I didn't even know about that case yet. So I need to do that eventually. But I need to take a fucking break from these horrific murders. But ultimately, to this day, the case remains unsolved, haunting those who hear about it and the town of Villisca. Oh, good intro for me. Bum, bum, Horrible bum. case, guys. Absolutely tragic. Fucking awful. Like, really just heartbreaking. And see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, there's not even, like, any point not point but like there's nothing for me to really tell you about this tragic case other than just how awful it was like I can't there's no investigation investigation there's no like hidden you know clues other than how the layout looked and I know that I could have conjured up more shit like I said by going down rabbit holes and reading all the theories but it doesn't feel right ready for me Yes. Well, if we seamlessly transitioned, I would have then said, of course, a home with a dark and horrific past attracts those that are seeking out a good paranormal thrill. The Moore family home is considered to be one of the most haunted homes in America. But I'm pretty sure that that list is like infinite because every house I cover seems to be the most haunted home in America. On the list. On the list. On like that. when does the list end? And where is that list five? at? Like where, what is truly number Can we one? see that list? Where is, is it? Is it a real list? That's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm like Buzzsprout. Who Buzzfeed. makes it? Buzzfeed. <laughs> Maybe I'm Buzzfeed. Um, this one though, I... I I do believe is different, even though a lot of people believe that it's actually not haunted at all. Mm -hmm. But what I watched, what I saw, what I heard, 
I, I do believe it's haunted. Yeah. It may be one of the most haunted. From what I read, there isn't a paranormal phenomena that hasn't happened at the house since the murders. Disembodied footsteps, apparitions, shadows, objects, furniture moving, giggles, laughter, conversation, cold spots, lights on and off, doors open and closing. It hits every bullet on the phenomena list. Since the murders, the house went through the ownership of eight different people. But because of the lovely U.S. Ghost Hunter Adventures show, sweeping in last year, 2023, to purchase the home, it's very difficult to get past those headlines on a Google search engine to see the right. ownership of the house throughout the years and who lived there directly after the murders. So the only thing that I could find on the families that lived there after the murders from the 30s to 60s, and my source for this is M from And That's Why We Dream. And I think that they would probably kill me if they knew that I'm referencing them in this episode because it was at 21 for them in 2017. Oh. And I tried to text them, but apparently they go on airplane mode whenever they're venturing a new city. Yep. So So dangerous, M. If you hear this, which you won't. But Christine, you will. Christine, you will. Tell him that we said we're really worried about them. We're really worried. We've been, we're, I've been, to be honest, I've been thinking about them ever since then. And M still hasn't texted me back. No, but yeah. M, your time is up and you're being sourced. You had your chance. <laughs> you had your chance. But you went on out. airplane mode. We're sending people so, back to episode 27. So anyway, wherever M found this information, I'm sure that they could prop maybe pull. I'm not even going to quote that they could pull sources from 2017. I'd be very impressed. Probably from a Ghost Avengers episode. Probably. Knowing them back then. Yeah, so they're from M. According to M, there was a couple that moved in sometime during the 30s, and this couple couldn't get any sleep because the wife was repeatedly woken up in the middle of the night. Is this the Lynn family? Eventually. Oh, okay. Not right now. Okay. Yeah. That's the only family. Because, wait, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stop you. That's the only family they talk about of, of ownership. That's the only family I've seen about ownership, but I won't, I haven't let myself, I don't know. I've never, I've never even listened to this early episode of M's case, like back when I was binging through their episodes because I just didn't I, I don't like axe murder houses mm-hmm. sorry but um I, I've never heard the hauntings about this I didn't know about this case until we had a podcast and people started requesting it yeah to be I honest. honestly I always thought it was the same house as Lizzie Borden I never even I thought the two were together anyway clearly because I saw this fucking house and I was like that's my house like yeah. I never would have bought this house if I knew that it looked like that yeah 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 you did that huh? I did that so she couldn't get any sleep because because she was constantly being woken up in the middle of the night and she was getting woken up because standing over top of her was a shadow of a man holding an axe. Oh, fuck. There were constant noises throughout the night and there was children's laughter throughout the day. Apparently, she freaked out pretty quickly. So she tells her husband about what she was experiencing and he's like, yeah, sure, honey, like... I'm sure that you're hearing this stuff and that you're seeing this overnight. So he didn't believe, obviously, in what she was telling him. And he didn't believe in ghosts at all. So to reassure his wife that their home was now safe, it's perfectly safe, it's free of ghosts, Mm -hmm. you're fine. He told her, well, I'll just stay up all night and I'll watch over you. And I'll check to see if anything comes around. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to stay up. Well, he was proved wrong um, pretty quickly. He actually did stay up. Not He did. Not seeing anything, but hearing the sounds. Constant sounds that definitely wasn't just the house settling. Mm. And that couple left pretty quickly after that. After them, there was another family that moved in. And I'm unsure on the details of... Actually, let me go back to this first couple. You mentioned the skulls. I didn't put this in, but... That first couple, that morning after that night, he went to work and he was like talking to someone about it. And one of his coworkers pulled out a piece of a skull. Oh, my, of Joe's skull. Yeah. Yeah. Like they carried it around with them. 
What the fuck? So that would have been 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where he worked. Why would you carry that around? What the fuck? Yeah, dude. First I know. off, you what take are, that to the grave. Like, you don't ever tell anyone you did yeah. that. That's fucked. And once he saw it, he was like, I'm fucking out. I'm yeah, done. I got to dip out of here. Um, Left the little town pretty quickly. After them, there was another family that moved in. And I'm unsure on the details of how large this family was. But I do know that their grandfather was with them. Okay. And pretty quickly, grandpa was like, nope. Packed up a sleeping bag and built himself a little loft in the barn that was outside. The family, on the other hand, that was staying in the house... Um, they were on night watch because their door, the front door, and I don't know which front door it is. I didn't know there was two until you drew me. Your I lovely. almost want to say it would have been the, the side door because that's like what they entered in Probably to find the bodies. Then. Yeah. Like into the living room. Yeah, yeah. The side door that goes into the living room. It kept just swinging open for no apparent reason every few minutes throughout the night. So they would have someone on like night watch oh. literally sitting there having to get up, close the door. And then the next couple minutes it would swing back open. Then it would close the door. No. This family left pretty abruptly and pretty quickly as well. Another family moved in sometime in the 60s that consisted of two young girls and their parents. But the parents were always gone for work or something for whatever reason, leaving the girls alone. If I had to assume, then they that they were probably just teenagers, 15 or 16 years old. Mm -hmm. The girls, while in the house alone, would wake up every night hearing the sounds of children crying and even worse than that, hearing the sounds of the children screaming. No. Their belongings in their room, specifically their clothes, would be thrown around on the floor from their dresser. So like their dresser, they'd walk in their room when no one was in there. The dresser drawers would be open and the clothes would be tossed all throughout the house. <gasps> the things got bad when their parents were actually home with them. The girls had been telling them that something was off in the house, but their parents didn't believe them until one night their father was in the kitchen sharpening a knife when he stabbed himself in the hand oh my god but this wasn't your regular like accidental stabbing apparently allegedly he stabbed himself in the hand and had no recollection of doing so <gasps> like he blacked out like he just like picked it up and he, like and just not like poked your hand on accident right. like, like just stabbed you. It. yeah exactly holy himself in the hand this family left pretty quickly after that in the 90s the house was slated to be torn down it should have been until a local couple Martha and Darwin Lynn decided that this was a piece of history that was just worth saving. So the two bought the home in 1994 and quickly restored it back to the appearance of its 1912 state. They removed all of the, like I'm talking like they removed the plumbing, the electricity, the garage. They wanted it to be back when you didn't have oh my water God. and you had an outhouse and you didn't have power. And they brought back the outhouse, the chicken coop, and the barn. They searched for furniture that matched that era as well as other decorations that would fit 1912 placing them in the exact spots where the original furnishing would have been on the night of the murders the inside of the house today is only a replica it is not the original furnishings they also put a calendar in the kitchen turning it to june 1912 and photos of the family throughout the house it's like they're they don't even want them to pass on no it's like they want to keep the spirits there yeah just like stale like yeah just like relive it every day here's it your like keeping it's them in like their up. own fucking hell their original intention was to turn it into a historical museum and you said it was oh sorry we didn't we had a re we had a re-record yeah um, so we, we're acting i'm acting like i'm hearing this for the first time but this little section we've been recording without the mic recording only the camera so but you said this was actually they wanted it to be a historical like murder yeah museum. like that's what is throwing my mind off more it's like i would it makes sense if they wanted to have it for like the haunting aspect because people want to 
to see ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like it's a natural morbid curiosity. But the fact that they have made it all about the murders and that was their selling point. They redid it. They tracked down all these pieces right. of furniture only because they wanted to show off the murder. Right. Fuck. Put it back to that exact night. That's just fucked up. That's fucked up. Like the Conjuring House is, it's the Conjuring, I, I mean, the house, conjuring is because, house isn't even wasn't a murder. No, it wasn't a murder. It was a, but, a haunting. It was a poltergeist. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Okay. Um, so they wanted to create this time capsule for us now, the people in 2024, to get a glimpse into what a Midwestern family home looked like in the early 1900s. Really sick and fucked up to choose that home, but nonetheless, that was their plan. But once word got out that the Lynns had bought the home and they were turning it into a museum, they got an influx of letters and calls from people, specifically paranormal investigators who wanted to come visit their property. And apparently at this time, the Lynns had never even heard of the profession of paranormal investigators, and it really just caught them off guard. It's like a huge surprise, huge shock. fucking horrific i would never admit that to anyone yeah i'd be like you want to do okay cool i'd be like oh yeah instead of being like paranormal what the rumor mill of the hauntings hadn't quite reached their ears yet even though they were locals and people have been reporting these hauntings since as early as the 30s nonetheless (laughs) their ears were now perked up and they were listening this town is this fucking right you you know i literally go guys type it into your maps on your phone and go look Realizing that the home that they bought to freeze time and time capsule it as this murder museum was probably haunted and that their museum should actually probably just reflect that. So the two shifted gears and opened the home as a paranormal hotel, realizing their potential profits from doing so. The hotel was able to be booked groups of six or less can't have more than six people, which is that's just like weird to me. Yeah, because that's how many people were in the family, the more family, right? And and no one sleeps in the bed, Sarah. You're on a sleeping bag. You have to bring right. your own sleeping bag. So why do you have a? I don't. I know. guess having eight would be worse. Yeah, you're but. right. So the hotel was able to be booked. Groups of six or less could pay $428 for an overnight stay or $10 for a day tour. Today, Ghost Adventures charges $500 for an overnight and $20 for a day tour. When those groups arrive, um, when they arrived, when the Lynns owned it, Martha would just hand them the keys and leave them alone. But that was kind of the catch because none of those guests ever really felt like they were alone because the house was so active. While the Lynns clearly had no idea what paranormal investigation was, it seems like they became some paranormal enthusiasts themselves so i saw on a reddit thread that there used to be a doll in the attic i and saw this the particular doll. doll was sitting on top of a ouija board surrounding the ouija board were letters written in from those that had toured the home apology letters for taking fucking pictures of the doll so here we go again Fuck. the poster said that they quickly deleted the photo like they just went up there snapped a picture of the attic and then out of like morbid curiosity they walked over to that doll and when they saw the apology letters she was like i I'm deleting this and she stated a verbal apology and was like kind of hoping that would suffice like I'm so sorry it's already deleted right I, I, I deleted it I can my write bad, you a letter babe. if you want me to but I'm bad yeah, yeah my bad babe um and when they walked back downstairs they ran into Darwin Lynn and they asked him like what was that all about like what's so why is that specific doll haunted was it one of the children's dolls was that an original doll and he tells them no none of that um it was people have had unfortunate luck after taking pictures of the upstairs attic specifically that doll but then he continues to explain to them that the doll that sits where the killer allegedly hid was filled up with dirt that he personally went around the united states to collect from locations of notorious serial killer homes or or murder sites. <gasps> 
saying well-known names to this woman like Jeffrey Dahmer no. and Ed Gein. No. Which, again, we have is, personal beef we with have personal Ed Gein. beef with E-D-G-I-E. Yeah. E-D-G-E-I-N. Yeah. Um, but seriously, an already well-known haunted location. You're going to go on a nationwide excavating adventure, filling a doll up from dark, from very haunting and dark places, then returning that doll to the location of where this killer allegedly hid and then set it on top of a fucking Ouija board. Who does that? Who on earth would do such a thing? This goes straight back to the original point of you are not doing this for haunting. You're doing it for an even more fucked up reason. I agree. Which is you are glorifying the murder. Glorifying. Like, I'm going to say it. Now you're putting and look, we know that he didn't just go to the houses that the, the and collect that. He went to locations that victims were discovered. Yeah. For sure. Underneath Dahmer, Dahmer's house, yeah. dad's house, like all that shit, which holy fuck. Could you imagine the energy that that ground carries and it right. being brought in? That would disturb the the family if they were able to peacefully if, rest. If the family could rest, they didn't let it. Right. And that's these that's people continue. It, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of investigators believe that the house is kind of a mirror to your behavior, meaning that if you're a bad person, then you're going to have a bad experience. If you're a good person, then you're going to have a good experience. While this isn't the case for everyone, it's largely believed that the house will read you when you walk in and it will reflect that behavior back to you, I guess. Which Oof. is interesting about the whole mirror thing. Yeah, it's meant, it's so interesting about the whole mirror thing, but I think that also like borderlines on being just so unethical because it's like are, are you saying that the more family was being you know think, or are you well, saying that I'm it's the haunting it's after that the spirits are gonna mirror your your vibe yeah like you might you might be more inclined to come across a dark spirit if you're a bad person and you're probably more inclined to come across one of the children or the parents a kind spirit if that will r play with you because yeah. that's what the kids do yeah if if you're a good person but i yeah. think also along with that it um they also described it as it will also like give you what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a good experience with like either kind spirits mm -hmm. or nothing at all, you just want to simply yeah. go, then you're going to get that. But if you're looking for something scary to happen, a negative experience, then you're going to get that. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like I'm going to give I understand you what, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what everyone does agree on, though, is the overall sadness of the home. Yeah. Most everyone doesn't feel right being there. And they are accompanied with the feelings of being sad, distraught, uncomfortable, and unwanted. Most accounts are from paranormal investigators and visitors. And if you go onto YouTube, there are hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of videos of EVP recordings. This is, I have it, and I really feel wrong sharing it. So we might edit this out. Okay. Um, this is one of the most popular EVP recordings, and it's of the children screaming. Shut up. This is from the ORBS, O-R-B-S, Paranormal Research Team, and it was posted in 2009. During this, the entire team was outside the house with the EVP recorder inside the home. So I'm going to play it now, and the first part is the EVP as a whole, and then it's going to play again isolated, so like isolating into that sound. And this was posted again on YouTube by, it's ORBS Paranormal Research video, but it's posted by Prism Paranormal, P-R-I-S-M. So if you'd like to skip this, go ahead and jump forward about a minute and a half.
Now it's going to play isolated. a deeper voice back there with it yeah me too behind it yeah i did too yeah like a slow like a muffled like yeah yeah exactly i i heard the same thing it 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 almost to me is i don't know like i do hear at the same time like to me it's not like terrifying screams it's almost like place yeah i don't want to say that though but like well here here's what i've been thinking this whole time with the people talking about hearing screaming to the kids the kids like that to me is like stop like this like, yeah like you're playing with your sibling like stop it you're tickling me mm-hmm. type of scream because what we know is that everyone was killed in, in their, their sleep. sleep not no only person that was awake was lena mm-hmm. but we and and like I said, like the girls Ina and Lena were already asleep when he got were still asleep when they got down there. Mm-hmm. So there couldn't have been much of noise, much noise coming from the victims. Right. And if there was, it would have only been from Lena and it would have been very short. It right. wouldn't have been exactly something drawn out. So that's out. why I kind of and because this is also really associated with EVPs of the children playing and mm-hmm. giggling and chattering that I kind of feel like it might be a play scream mm-hmm. and the like the yelling of the get out like there was at one point in it where i felt like i heard a solid like get out mm-hmm. or a stop that yeah something like that like a duh, duh, like one syllable words mm-hmm. and all i i'm not thinking that that's like a hectic crime scene i'm thinking that's like the spirits like get the fuck out like what are you doing in here right get, get out, out. Like to the to because the imagine how recording. alarming that would be if they're like a residual haunt and they're just looping that all these random men are walking in after the trauma that they faced. Right. It would be alarm. They would be they'd be very upset for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, the screams of the children are heard often along, like I said, with their chatter and their giggles. Um, people have been able to have full conversations with the kids. And mm. those are you can I'm not kidding you. This one video that I have right here. It's got like 12 different recordings on it. Yeah. I mean, Um, I saw one on BuzzFeed that I didn't even watch all the way through of them connecting with a spirit. Yeah. Through an uh, EVP. EVP. The kids are heard the most, making them the most common. But there is also the voice or voices of one, possibly more adult males who aren't good. They're not nice. Yeah. You know, this has led to some sort of speculation that the spirit of the axe killer resides in the house as well Mm. confronting the killer usually or this male spirit um, results in a growl and it is a very dark entity that resides there so most times people are trying to just communicate with the children and parents but you will know if it is not the kids the evps are dark and they're eerie and i don't really recommend going down a rabbit hole to listen to them unless you want nightmares yeah um there was a group of paranormal investigators that were using a ouija board to communicate and when they asked if anyone was here to communicate with them, the voice recorder picked up, I will possess you. And when they closed out, they heard from multiple voices, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So like, <laughs> obviously they didn't hear it in real time, but like the EVPs picking yeah. up while they're like closing, opening the Ouija board and like closing it out. Whoa. 
There was another investigator who became possessed by a spirit that was believed to be the killer. And this investigator was like, I guess, just like laughing and talking at a wall, like to no one, like just like, like, and like talking, having full Mm. conversation, but like not making any sense. And when the rest of the group asked why, why doesn't the killer just leave the house? Like when they're asking that to whatever, um, frequency that they have open to communicate the investigator that was they thought was possessed at the time they weren't sure but now they know he like turned to them and said i can't and at the same time there was also a night vision camera on him and they caught an orb coming out of his mouth no okay well okay let me i kind of want to talk through that really quickly because what i'm thinking is no way that the because let's go back to the theory that this was like a serial killer axe murder of farmhouses Mm -hmm. during this time then there's no way that he would be able to be left in everyone but that darkness of him the energy of the killer would still linger there and attempt to control well and also not to mention the fact that the lens brought in a lot of different stuff Mm -hmm. probably creating a giant portal yeah there's no telling open up who you there's no telling who you're talking to and i talk about this i don't really talk i briefly mention it but i'll do it now because it makes more sense uh a lot of locals like kids and stuff especially in the satanic panic 70s 80s -hmm. whatever it was they would go and they would vandalize the house and they would use it for like occultist practices and you would see like pentagrams and symbols on the wall and they were clearly very very clearly holding seances and ritual or and whatnot in that home right only opening it up to more and more yeah and so there's no telling what is accumulated over there and where there's like a negative energy like that, those dark ass spirits, they're going to come there. Right. Exactly. Um, the spirits in the house are also very responsive by not just EVP, but also the flashlight game. Like turn the flashlight on, turn the flashlight off. Um, they do the same thing with doors. Open open the door, it opens, shut the door, it slams shut. And there's a lot of videos of this too. The house is full of activity and the children also love to play, specifically the little boy, but also the girls. So people will, I don't know why they consider this one to be the boy, but they believe it is his spirit. Um, people will, there was only one boy? Um, two boys. Well, who's the little? Three boys. The youngest one. Was he the, was um, the youngest kid a boy? Arthur five, yes. This or is Arthur. Paul. The youngest boy, the, the youngest child was a boy. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is who they believe it to be. So people will roll a ball down the hall and it will roll right back to them. And when they're done playing, when the spirit's done playing with this ball, you'll see it randomly like roll into an empty room. He's like, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> um, and like he's like, I'm bored. He's arms tired. And people will go and like try to like deep like debunk this and mm-hmm. like take a level to the floor. And um, well, it's from eight, 1900. It's not going to be level. But it, but there is no reason for the ball to move yeah. in the way it does. And like it'll make like sharp turns and stuff. Yeah. And like also people will talk to the spirit and be like, roll me that ball. And it'll be a dead stop. And it'll be, it's not just like a slight roll. It's like push to you. It's like, like a that push. There. That's really cool. Yeah. The most common apparition in the house is the shadow of a man with the axe. And the attic and the rooms where the murders took place are the darkest. That's where they carry the coldest temperatures. And remind you, they took all of the electricity out of this house. Right. It's hot as fuck. Yeah. And yet those rooms, people say, are chilly. Those upstairs rooms too. That's yeah. where the moors were. Yeah. You know that shit's hot. And they say the attic is like hot as fuck and mucky and mm-hmm. but like still cold spots in the attic. Apparently there is and this is in, this makes a lot more sense when you I'm trying to piece it together when you were saying about how he, um the ritual part of the murders the where they covered stuff. up all of mm-hmm. the windows. 
So apparently there is this evil presence at all of the windows in the house. When you stand and you're trying to look out one of the windows, you get pushback. Like someone's pushing you back away from the window. Like it doesn't want you to get out. It doesn't want you to look out. Mm. And so that gives me chills because I, I didn't piece it. I was like, what the fuck are they talking? Like, I didn't get it. But until you said that, that kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah. The undoing, like don't look at what I've done. Yeah. And I also kind of think that that ritual could be a way to like trap the spirits in there. Well, when I was initially reading about it, I was shocked that it was saying that it was an undoing because I'm thinking, well, you're blocking all of the portals that the family spirits would need to leave through. Right. And there wasn't like there were shower heads. Like you can leave through pipes. Mm -hmm. Like your spirit can, just in case anybody needs to know. Yeah. You (laughs) can go out through your shower head if you need to. But like there, he blocked all of the exits that we traditionally know about. Right. And would have been well known and, at and that time. And now there's a presence at all of those exits. The glass, the anything crystal, the mm-hmm. mirrors, the fucking walls, windows, the doors, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's like lock them in. Lock them in. Um, people have been attacked. Scratches on their back. The closet doors, again, will creep open by themselves. Apparently the home, I said this already, but it's prone to break-ins of occultists vandalized spray paint symbols on the wall clearly doing seances and they'll also be practicing the home storing up the spirits and making room for more to come in and people have had experience with doppelgangers of the groups that they are with like of Mm. of themselves or like of the friends if their friend went there Mm. for example a man and his four friends went for an overnight stay and this is a comment on the reddit thread ghosts i stayed with four friends i'm a psych major with a minor in criminal justice so i was just happy to stay in such a historic house my four friends were a lot more afraid than i was so naturally they had more encounters i wasn't afraid at all but that doesn't mean nothing happened upon walking in the door instantly all of our smiles went away. Three of us just started instantly crying and I'm not one to cry. There's definitely some kind of energy, not anger or malice, but sadness. My shirt was tugged a few times and while everyone was obsessed with the attic, I was focused on the kid's bedroom. In the kid's bedroom, I rolled a toy ball and the ball broke the laws of physics. We had a level and the room was relatively even. This ball came to a dead stop and rolled back to me. It was also November and the heat was blasting. There was a lock on the thermostat and I experienced multiple cold spots that were unexplainable. The place was actually annoyingly hot most of the time. But as a realist, I'm not going to jump right to the conclusions of ghosts. At one point, my friend had followed me down the stairs. But the thing is, I never went down those stairs because I never went whatever. I guess I don't know what he's saying. He says, but the thing is, I never went down the stairs, so it wasn't me he was following. A doppelganger, maybe. So he stayed up in the kids' bedroom the whole time, is what he's saying. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, and his friend followed him down the stairs. No. And he never went down the stairs. Um, My other friend gave up and stayed the rest of the night in the barn. The house gave me just enough of an experience to question if ghosts are really real, but not enough to verify it, which is why I have nothing but questions. I'm trying to make sense of it all, old house, our brains, but I just don't know. I was 100% 100 skeptical, but I'm about 50-50 now. One thing I know for sure is if you are afraid, shit is going to happen to you. I wasn't ever afraid. I was just so damn sad. A lot of people argue that the house isn't haunted at all, and it's a made-up tourist trap, haunting-wise, to get capital gain in the area because it is so small and tiny. Tiny. Um, And there's also a huge moral debate that it's wrong for something with such tragic history to be used the way that it's used today. Um, and that it needs to be torn down with a memorial in place to let those souls rest. And yep. honestly, I think we both can say that we agree 100% wholeheartedly, yep. but that's not going to happen under the new ownership of Ghost Adventures. And um, that's all I have, but I did want to briefly discuss this too. 
I guess the locals are not happy and they haven't been happy for years. And anyone that like they say, especially on um, Yelp and stuff, like people say that when you're staying there, the neighbors will just walk by and be like, you know what you're doing is morally fucked up. Like Good leave for this them. house alone. And like they will come and bother the people that Hell yeah. are, are touring this house. Dude, imagine me and you lived on either side of this house and we saw fuckers going in there all day. We'd sit on our back porch and we would like throw. We'd have a podcast. And this is what this person's wearing today. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is what they're like wearing today. Looks like an absolute today. jackass. What's your name? Like, and, I, and I don't, because I, I, feel, I feel fucked up about this story because what we're doing, reading it and telling it yep. is virtually the same exact thing. Yep. And so, like, moral dilemma, self-dilemma that we got going on in our brains. But I do think that Lynn's past, like, 13, 11, 12, one of those years. Mm -hmm. But the house went back into the media because there was a paranormal investigator. I want to say I didn't. I meant to write this down. And I saw it, like, at the very beginning of my research. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, that'll come at the end of my notes. So I I lost it. I do that, too. Anyway, I want to say, like, 2007, there was a paranormal researcher, investigator there. And he also stabbed himself. What? With like no reason why. It made headlines. He like stabbed. Yeah, he just stabbed himself with a knife. Like not in the hand, like in somewhere in his body. Yeah. And like had to be hospitalized. There's a whole police report about it. What? And I want to say it was 2007. But yeah. And he had like, it didn't say that he had no recollection of it because there wasn't much information about it. But Yeah. I don't know. I just, sorry, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I'm a little all fucked. over the place right now, but. Well, uh, you know what? I'm sorry. You know what I keep thinking about since you brought it up? Is, is that water? Sorry. Yeah. I, hate that. I think it's got like a sip left in it. The Lizzie Borden house. Like, I think about when we covered that case, when we covered that case together a lot. Do you know? I don't even remember it. It was so long ago, but I think about it very often because of, like, in this situation, we are like aware we're aware of like how it sounds and how it is and like truthfully like to a spirit to respect someone who has passed on these are uh, yeah i know i I don't know maybe if it i don't know it's just crazy to see how far we've come because if we would have covered this at the beginning it'd be so different we'd be like oh whoa whoa yeah that's true that's what happened you know that's what we would have done fully Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we waited for as long as we did to cover it, but I regret covering it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> and I and I hate that it was like I don't hate, but I'm I'm sorry that it was a, a lot of you guys had requested it and we probably we were shitting like, on your parade right yeah, now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, and I, and I do apologize, but yeah, I don't want you to think that you're like a fuck. Like we're calling you fucked up for doing it because we're not. It's I, just I am curious to see though, like how everyone feels after this episode. Like, do you have? Do you sad differently about like, it? But are, are you feeling sad? Because when I was researching and when I was doing my notes, I felt sad the same way mm-hmm. every person that's ever visited that house feels is sad. Yep. So like, I'm curious to know, like when you hear this story, like obviously it is sad, but do you feel sadness? Sadness. Like, like not yeah. like, a, not like, oh, I'm really sad. I could cry right now. But like, you feel like whenever you're- Like you're just like, you're beat. Yeah. You know? Like, like, you know, that, that hum of sadness, like when it's not gone, but you're trying to move on. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I feel. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And ultimately I think you would gain, cause you're like on the teeter tottering line right now. Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. like by a lot of people you have been for yeah, years. For years. And I yeah. feel like you'd gain a lot of respect if you were, if this was one of your properties that you did tear down and yeah. place a memorial site and you fund on, it on, on your dime. On exactly. your dime. Yeah. 
This is a small fucking town. They can't go out from underneath them and buy it. But honest to God, at the end of the day, if this doesn't get settled at some point, then the the state of Iowa needs to come in and take that yeah. property and get well if it ever it. goes up for sale we'll buy it i would literally buy it and, and tear it down. we will tear it down and we will create a i would outside. i swear to god i would i really would if we had if we had the money to do it we would do a whole fundraising thing if we had mm-hmm. to get pay for it in cash and tear it down that day it's really sad in a very just, very respectful ceremony and i think it, i i think it just adds a little bit i don't want to like take away from stories like lizzie borden and not but like six kids yeah. Six kids and you're trapping their souls there If that is them Right and to think about that and theory it, Of the serial Ema, killer well, I'm sorry what's her name Ema Ina Ina, Ina and Lena Ina I-N-A. I-N-A. Is that Ina Ina Ina, Ina? Ma- Logan's grandma Great grandmother is I-N-A And we say Ina For okay. her but they're from well, Jamaica so. I do know that she's one of the most active the, So the The second to last person not Lena. yeah okay ina because wow. I, th- I wanted to say ida but that's not it well that's ina. really sweet to think that well all i you guys know like anything sisterly like fucks mm-hmm. me up but like thinking about lena mm-hmm. fighting over her little sister yeah and they weren't even supposed to be there they dude. weren't even supposed to be there they just were staying the night after a church service it was a sunday night you know like it wasn't a and night i think that, that also makes sense as to why maybe she would be a little more active because she's confused she's confused like why where am i at yeah. i want my parents i want right. to go home get out like those those mm-hmm. like little things or whatever yeah her and her sister you know i wonder if you didn't see anything about like their family like i couldn't really find much on it um but i do know that i think mary ran down the street and got them mm-hmm. yeah it's terrible it's awful i just couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine that and i can't i can't imagine it during this time because like imagine how violated you must have felt yeah you know like you live in a small ass town everyone knows everyone no, like and what is safe. why we're I don't care if there were no laws that that you shut down a crime scene then or whatever the case was. When your right mind makes you want to go in there and grab a baby's skull like that. What the fuck? No, I just... I hate this We've talked about it a million times with all these fucking people. Like any old case, like the... The bandit that never, whatever his name was, put it literally in a wax museum. Yeah. Guys, Ophelia has laid next to me this entire recording. Ophelia is pissed because uh, to Ophelia, Mila. This is her chair. You're Mila now. (laughs) Morgan's in her chair and she's just really confused about where the fuck she's supposed to sit while mom's working. Just like the respect. Like I have none for you. Yep. She's just like, I'm going to sit right fucking here. Not even on my chair. She doesn't like my chair. She crazy with her tongue out like that. I know. Wait, guys, I didn't tell you what happened this morning to Luna. I mean, to Nona. She ate three feet of thread. Yeah, she did. Sewing thread. You need to check on her. Yeah. So I had to call the fucking doctor and I had to I had to risk my life to lift up Nona's tongue and make sure that it wasn't stuck anywhere in her mouth. My hands fucked. I have a slow motion video of the inside of her mouth because I was too busy to. What color was the thread? Oh, it was brown. Oh, that doesn't help. Nope. Doesn't help at all. If it couldn't was red, lime green or couldn't something. be fucking blue. So you wouldn't see in a cat's mouth. That would be great. You're finally realizing. Okay, she's getting mad at you. Be careful. Watch your tail. That's how she'll tell you. 
I thought the tail meant she liked me. No. Cats wag when they're uncomfortable or they're not liking oh, it. Oh, well, then she don't like it at all. <laughs> you're thinking she, I'm you're like, on dog time. I'm always like She's shaking her tail. <laughs> She liked me. So that means no when she does that. Yeah, that means like she's getting uncomfortable and she's getting fed up. It's like when I start tapping my foot. Okay, that's so dramatic. I know, right? But I I like the warning signs. You tap your foot 24-7. Yeah, you're right. But if I'm mad, I start... No, you can read your madness on your face. I bite my lip. I'm mad as fuck. You can see it all over me. Me too, though. I'm like... Yeah, but you at least do better in business meetings. I can't... (laughs) This is Taylor. She's pissed off at a meeting. Is that fine? I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't care. I mean, yeah, if that's what you say. That's good. (laughs) I'm like, look at the fucking screen. No, and then I'll go get a file and I'll start filing at my fingernails. Yeah, that's it. I do it every time because I have to distract myself or I'm going to be a bitch and I can't. Oh, okay. Well, we've did a sharp left turn hey we did it we never have to do it again i don't ever want to do that again ever in a million the only thing i am interested in about continuing on with axe murders is this serial network that that i want to read that whole book i only read um a little portion on it i I bought the sample i mean i didn't buy the sample i got the sample on books Mm -hmm. on my ipad and uh that only got me a chapter in so yeah interesting i'm about to fork out that cash later but i do want to read it before i cover those other cases because i want to know what the connections are outside of just like the general facts of the scene yeah because like how how would you connect so far well guys i'm sorry to rain on your parade if you if you requested this case i'm sorry to to rain on your parade but it was just harder for us than I thought it would it be really tough, yeah, because it was just such a sad case. So, anyways, um, love ya. I was gonna be like, maybe we'll do something fun next week. We could still do. We still need to do our Greek dive. Mm, we want to do think an I'm ancient ready for Greek that one. No, I need to take. There's got to be. There's a time for that. Maybe spring. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good time. Or n- we gotta go. Love you. <laughs> Bye. The camera's dying. We gotta go. Love you guys. Bye.